So this morning, <clears throat> as I mentioned, we as a church begin a new programmatic year. And for those of you who are new here uh, to First Prez, we order our life uh, together as a worshiping community around liturgical seasons. And tradi- the traditional liturgical calendars, they typically begin with the season of Advent, but because so many in our community are impacted by the academic calendar, um, we start our year in the fall semester. Hence, this is the new year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, last year, uh, for this season of what is traditionally called ordinary time, which is to say the fall the spring and the summer, our theme was the season of the living church. And this year, our theme for ordinary time is going to be the season of the creating God. To kick off, we're starting in the beginning. We're starting with the story of creation from Genesis 2. It's a story of God's creative presence in the world. Out of nothing, God springs up a stream from the ground to cover and nourish the earth Rivers form, and the Garden of Eden is created, a home for all the plants and the animals, and the first human being, and the second. Now, in the lectionary, Genesis 2 is often paired with a portion of the text from Mark that Tala just read, the portion about marriage between a man and a woman, but I expanded the Mark reading beyond verses 6 through 8, because there is a context. There is a context to the story behind the words of Jesus. Too often, verses are plucked from our holy text and quoted as sound bites to address complex and intimate human experiences. And we here at First Pres will we like to dig a little deeper than simple sound bites. So as we kick off this new church year and the season of the creating God, now that we have heard the expanded Mark text speak to an experience of human relationship, let us turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, reading verses 4 through 25, and let us listen for God's word as we hear the story of the creation of humanity and the gift of partnership, the gift of relationship. Let us pray. Creating and loving God, may your wisdom be granted to us as we turn to your word. Be present with us. Make us not fearful, but attuned to the love you have for us and for the world. And may we honor you in our thoughts, in our words this morning. Amen. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there God put the man whom God had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. 
the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divides and becomes four branches. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Then the man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man made, was made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man... This one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So right from the get-go, the setting of this text in the Garden of Eden points to the allegorical nature of the story. Only two of the four rivers used to describe the location of Eden, the Tigris and the Euphrates, were known to have existed at this time, at the time of the writing. The other two rivers listed according to the regions, the regions of Havilah and Cush, they're generally associated with the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa, but the geography described in the text, it cannot be found on a map. Instead, the description of the location of the Garden of Eden helps us as the reader begin to grasp the larger theme of this creation story, the larger theme of the creation story. We begin to see how the story of creation is not necessarily instruction to us as to where and how the world began, but rather we see how this story of creation describes a creative and powerful God at work in the world, a God who breathes life and a soul into the nostrils of humankind. In the book of Genesis, there are two stories of the creation. 
The first chapter focuses on the creation of the world, of the sea and the sky, of the plants and the animals, of the human beings, and on the seventh day, God rested. This story, however, this story in the second chapter, it focuses more on the human creation. This is not an eyewitness account of the creation of the first human being, but it does tell a story about the beginning of our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and the beginning of our journey as humanity. When the first human being was created, gender was not assigned. Our NRSV, it translates the Hebrew word Adam. Adam is man, as in a generic term for human. An equally accepted translation of this first creature of our species would be human being. God then planted a garden and placed the human being in the garden and entrusted the care of the garden to the human, outlining one rule, that the fruit of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil not be eaten. Then, realizing it was not good for the human being to be alone, God created and brought all the animals before the Adam, the human being, to be named and evaluated for partnership. And when all the animals were named and none sufficient to be an equal partner, God caused the human to fall into a deep sleep. A rib was plucked from the body of the human, and out of it, out of the rib, God created another human. And when the human being made from the rib of the first appeared to be named in a sign of partnership, the human being renamed himself Ish, which means man or male, and Isha, which means woman or female, was ascribed to the second human being. And then we come to verse 24, which in a closer and much rougher translation of the original Hebrew, we understand that he leaves from the father of him and the mother of him and clings to the woman of him, and they become one flesh. So we have two human beings. Out of dust, God breathed life into the nostrils of humanity, creating us for companionship for equitable partnership to care for the earth and all that is in it. And thus begins the story of the people of God. In the Garden of Eden, all of life was brought together to represent God's desire for abundant life, for peaceful and purposeful existence. It represents God's desire for us not to be lonely, not to be cut off and parched, but to be in relationship. And the interconnectedness of God's creation is indeed a gift. Humans till the ground so plants may grow to produce food and nourishment. Animals nurture and provide fertilizer for the earth and food for humanity. Humans care for the animals and for the plants and for the earth, and they work together to do so. This interconnectedness... This relational way of living is how we were created to live. Now, even though we learn from Genesis 2 that it is in our nature, literally our God-given nature, to be in relationship with God and with one another, it is important to recognize that we as humans have found a way to use this text for divisive and hurtful and judgmental purposes. It's important to recognize this. 
In the context of debate, some people use this text in support of marriage between one man and one woman at the exclusion of same-sex marriage. But that reading, that reading of Genesis 2, it misses the forest for the trees. In opening ourselves to the fullness of what this text teaches us about God's character and God's desire for us, well, we are open to the blessed understanding that we are all created by God to be in relationship with one another and with God, to experience oneness with each other, to experience a sense of bonding, not bondage. God created two human beings so that one would not be lonely. It wasn't the gender that mattered. It wasn't the race or the religion or the appearance or the sexual orientation that mattered. We have added those layers on over time. The symbol and the experience of oneness in relationship, well, that's what's important. That's what's important. Now, I won't go into the myriad ways marriage has been defined or understood or practiced over the generations of the people of God, but suffice it to say, conceptions of biblical marriage have not remained static. All we need to do is look at the fathers of our faith, like Abraham and Caleb and Solomon, and who had multiple wives and concubines galore, to understand that the definition of marriage is dynamic, even among faithful people trying to live according to God's will. And our Mark text... Our Mark text this morning is further evidence of both the dynamic experience of relationship and God's desire for us to be in partnership with one another. Now, this is another text in which we are susceptible to miss the forest for the trees. It's been used to judge those who have experienced divorce. But the divorce that Jesus speaks of in Mark, it's not just about legal marriage. It's about broken relationship and God's intention for wholeness. Divorce is a symbol, a symbol of cutting off, of severing relationship, of loss of partnership. This is why Jesus speaks with harshness about divorce. It's not God's desire for humans to be cut off from one another. And Jesus goes further and calls remarrying adultery because the act of remarrying after divorce, well, it represents the notion that someone would be replaceable, that someone is unworthy of relationship. But by referencing Genesis 2, Jesus helps us to understand that each human being is indeed worthy of connection, worthy of relationship. God creates Humans with the intent that we might recognize God's own image within one another. Now, to be clear, Jesus was not talking about abusive relationships, nor was he talking about the role that healing might actually bring through divorce. He knew that there were nuances and circumstances in which divorce was necessary. The mere existence of divorce shows that to be true. But here... In this text, Jesus reminds the Pharisees and us that we are created to be in relationship with one another, to care for one another, to be partners with one another, and therefore to treat one another with mutual respect and love, regardless 
of marital status. Regardless of one's understanding of biblical marriage, the tension and discord infusing the debate around God's desire for marriage is antithetical to what we learn of God's creative and abundant love for us in Genesis 2. Regardless of what we believe about marriage, the Bible is not a weapon. It should not be used to inflict pain or to cause division. The Bible is a gift. It is our holy text. It is written by human hands that were inspired by the love of God, the love of God. It is an articulation of the experience of God's presence among God's people throughout the generations. It is comforting at times, and it can be challenging. It can be unsettling, too, but it is not a weapon. And if we turn to the Bible to reconcile our understanding of issues such as marriage or divorce, we must first listen. Listen deeply and prayerfully and orient ourselves as descendants from the Garden of Eden, created by God, each of us equal, each of us created to be in relationship with one another for a peaceful and purposeful existence. Church, as we begin this new year, as we begin this new season reflecting on the creating God, let us first acknowledge that God's creative power is indeed at work among us, drawing us closer to God, drawing us closer to one another. Not a single one of us, not a single one of us was created for loneliness. Not a single one of us was created for taking on the world all by ourselves. Rather, God created human beings to be together in relationship with one another, to work together, to be in community with one another. If you need further proof, just look around. Right now, we have been drawn. We have been drawn together to be here in this place at this very moment by a creating God on this three-day weekend, on this absolutely gorgeous morning. Each one of us could probably list at least five other places we could be right now. But we're here, drawn together, drawn together by our creating and wondrous God. Each of us is made of the same substance. Each of us are made of the same substance. We each are made of God and of one another. We are called, we are created to be in equal partnership with one another. We are created and we are called to delight, to delight in the creation and the creativity of God and revel in the abundant love and forgiveness God has for us, for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Amen.